0: Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our next-gen pastor, Myron Jellison, for this week's message. Well, hey, welcome, everybody. My name is Myron Jellison. I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us and uh, I'm the next gen pastor here at the church and we're going through the 10 commandments in this series that we've titled 10 talks and we're going down through the list and then this this message is we're going to be talking about the fifth commandment which is the commandment of honor your father and your mother now I want to just talk about the 10 commandments real quick they're not a bunch of rules that are antiquated and outdated and irrelevant to your life Instead, they are, they are God's standard of what it means to live your life to the fullness. It's God's standard of what it means to be in relationship with Him. If you want to follow God, your Creator, the Creator of the universe, here's some guardrails. And there are principles inside of every single commandment that if we can extract, pull out, apply it to our life, you're, you're going to get better at life, and your life's going to get better. And you're going to be able to find some happiness and contentment and satisfaction and peace and joy. And, and, and the Bible tells us that we will have life. To the fools. So it's not a bunch of rules like coerce you into this kind of lifestyle, but no, it's a standard and kind of these guardrails that if you want a life that thrives, a life that's, that, that's good and full of blessing and happiness, and you just have a better life, then obey these and follow these and implement these principles inside of these commandments, these values, these characteristics that we're going to see in these commandments. Now, honor your father and your mother is number five. And when I think about that, and God's like, God put this in the top 10. Why? Like, there was this guy, Moses, he went up on a mountain and he had this, like, he was in this cloud and he had this experience with God and God gives him two stone tablets and he, and he gives him the 10 commandments and he, and Moses comes down off the mountain. And my first thought is, well, God, you had two sides, so you could have put 20 commandments. Like you just went down with 10. Why? There's so many more things I think you would want to incorporate into giving us instruction of how to live our life. And then to put it in the 10, and then you're going to put honor your father and your mother in to the top 10? I'm thinking there's a lot of other things I could probably put in there that I would deem more important or more significant in, in my walk with Christ and in following God than honoring my father and mother. But he put it in there. Why? Maybe because, maybe because he wants us to understand this principle of honor from a very young age. And you see, this is another part that puzzles me. God knows, because he knows everything, that people would grow up with terrible parents. Like some kids would, would have some really crappy situations and crappy parents. And then to put this commandment in there of how you're supposed to honor them, that seems unfair, impossible, and how do I reconcile that in my mind and in my heart? That doesn't seem very loving. But again, I think the principle behind the command is bigger and more important than just honoring your father and your mother. It's this principle of honor, honoring one another and more specifically, honoring authority. So I think he's trying to teach us this at a very, very young age because I think the consequences of dishonor get more and more severe the older you get. Think about it. As a kid in the house, um, did something wrong, gets a spanking, gets a slap on the hand, gets sent to the room for timeout, gets their phone taken from, gets TV taken away from, there's some type of punishment or discipline that's handed out for that act of, of dishonor towards the parents. But guess what? When you grow up, you get out in the real world, and now you have to, you're an adult, and you're under the, the law and the rules of the land, and maybe you drink too much, and you get pulled over, and your license gets revoked. seems like a more severe punishment for dishonoring the law and the authority that's been given over how, you're to, how to operate a motor vehicle, and heaven forbid you hit somebody now you ve- and kill someone with your vehicle because you're under the influence of vehicular manslaughter. Now you're locked up in jail for a while. Maybe you're caught embezzling money in your business or, or uh, you know, fraud or, uh, you know, I don't even know what else it could be. But just think about it for a minute. When you get older and you have a dishonoring of people in authority and the authoritative figures and the rules and the guardrails of society, the punishments are way more severe as you get older. So maybe God's saying, hey, get this thing right of honoring early on and honor the first authoritative figure in your life. In your life which is your father and mother. They are the first authoritative figures in your life. And if you can honor them, you can respect them and and live in in, in kind of their boundaries of what they're saying, then when you get older, you have a way better chance to live inside the boundaries of society and the rules of the law and, and the rules of authority so that you don't have to face severe punishment. And I think it's foundational and imperative That if you want a life that that is good and full of blessing and, 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 and has so much to offer, learn this principle and implement this principle of honor into your life. And it's not just me who thinks this. The Word of God speaks on this topic very clearly and holds honor as a high esteem of what we should pursue when it comes to relationships with one another, with our parents in particular, and with God as our Creator and as our Heavenly Father. So let me just give you a working definition of what I think honor means. Okay? It means this. Uh, literally from the word that we, that's used in the text of the Ten Commandments in Exodus, it means to prize highly, to care for, to show respect, and obey to prize highly, to care for, to show respect, and obey. There's also this, this, this connotation with this word of it, like it's weighty, it's heavy, it's significant. So we're not just going to take our parents for granted. We're not going to take the, their position and authority in our life just as haphazard, get out of here, discredit them, we don't care, we, we, we disregard and we disrespect you. No, there's some weight to what they say. There's some weight to their position in, their, in your life and the authority in their life, and you should show respect for You should care for you should hold them in high view uh, as a human being made in the image of God and placed in your life as your father and your mother because you only get one biological mom and dad you only get one so hold them in the right view and, and the right honor and the right position in your mind another definition is honoring your father and mother is being respectful in word and action and having an inward attitude of esteem for their position See, honor is not just given based on merit, although it is sometimes, it is given on position as well. Think about this, the President of the United States, and and take it right now in 2020 in this context, you might disagree with everything that is said from that office and on Twitter. You might disagree with everything, but here's the thing. You can disagree with the individual, but you can't disrespect and dishonor the position that he holds because that's the most powerful position in all of the known world right now. So you can disagree, not support, and, and maybe not uh, like the individual, but the, the position deserves your respect and deserves your honor. And so you can disagree and have honor. I want to dispel this myth real quick. We think that disagreement automatically means dishonor. Just because we don't see eye to eye means that you're dishonoring me. No, that's false. False. We can have a healthy disagreement in the right context, in the right way, in the right mode of communication with the right people involved, and that's great. And we can walk away from that on different ends of the spectrum, but I didn't dishonor you as an individual. I didn't dishonor your position and your authority and your opinion or your view on it. I respected you, I loved you, and I honored you, but I don't necessarily have to agree with you. Same thing is true with your parents, right? They are in a position of authority over your life that God has designed and placed you there. And they may be crappy parents and they may do some bad things and they may make mistakes and it really affects you and hurts you. But know that we're all sinners. No one is perfect and they're trying to do their best. And so we have to honor them as a position in our life and not so much on the merit of their behavior towards me. And if they're telling me to do something that's immoral or against God's commands and against his word, then I got to choose my heavenly father first. So if you're a follower of Christ and you're pursuing him and you've given your life over to him and God is your heavenly father, he's number one. And so if your biological earthly parents or your or your step parents or whoever that uh, uh, guardian is over your life. If they say something that's in contradiction to God's word, you got to go with God's word first. And what he's saying is your heavenly father. And just because you disagree with your parents or don't want to automatically obey them because it goes against what what you believe and what God is showing you in the word and the scriptures doesn't mean you dishonor them. You don't slander their name. You don't, you don't taint their image. You don't blast on social media how terrible of an individual they are. You can stay silent and pray for them. Because they are made, that person, your parent is made in the image of God and he loves them. And they're just making some mistakes just like you and I make mistakes. So give them some grace and pray. That's what honor is. It's respecting in word and in action. We can disagree. That's not dishonor. That's a myth. We can disagree and still honor one another as individuals. Now I want to focus on two things today that I think honor produces. And the first thing that I think honor produces when we instill this this behavior and this concept and this principle into our life is it produces faith. Honor produces faith. You might be thinking, Myron, hold up. That makes no sense. Kind of disconnected. I get it. Give me a second. Let me brainstorm with you and let's have a conversation. Let me share some ideas. If you want to have greater faith in this life, if you want to trust God and believe God more, I, I, I believe you have to honor other people. Learn how to do that. Because when you learn how to do that, your faith is going to increase. Especially when we honor people in authority, our faith will increase. And the first person in authority in your life is your mom or your dad. So learn there. Start there to honor so that you can then begin to grow your faith. Now, let me read Exodus twenty-one twelve, which is where we see this command played out in Exodus to the nation of Israel. It says this in Exodus twenty-one twelve: Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long Full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. Then there's a promise that comes with that. You will live a long life. You'll live a long life. So there's some correlation to your, your years will be extended if you can do this and implement this and get this thing right. The most important thing I see is you'll have a full life. And you ever heard Jesus say this? He said it. He said it. I've come to give you life and life to the full. And this is exactly what God is talking about. I want to bless you. I want to fill your life with so much joy and happiness and satisfaction and peace and contentment and love. And I want you to have the best possible life you could imagine. But hey, start by honoring your father and mother. There's a promise that comes with a long life that's going well. Because the opposite would be if, if a long life that's not going well. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I want to live that long if my life's not going that well. I'm not trying to be dark or sarcastic, but that's the reality. And the final thing the verse says, in the land that the Lord is giving you. And in this context, he was talking about, or in this context, it's referring to the promised land that God was promising his people, the nation of Israel. I'm going to give you a quick Bible history, but you've got to study on your own in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you a quick Bible history. I'm going to fly through it, just to give you context. There's a group of people that God chose and would we'll call them the nation of Israel. He was going to be in relationship with them, and he was going to reconcile the whole world and populate the whole world and bring everybody. He wants to bring everybody to relationship with himself. He's going to use these people. And eventually, Jesus Christ, God's Son, comes through this line of people and and dies on a cross and rises from the dead and is the payment for yours and I sins, so we can be reconciled back into relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, our Creator. And then there's all these times when they would fall, and they would keep coming back, and they would fall, and they would keep coming back. And one time they're in Egypt, they're in captivity and bondage in Egypt, and they still haven't got to the promised land that God promised them. And then you might know this guy named Moses, to where Moses, God shows up and says, hey, go and free my people. So Moses goes, agrees to it, begrudgingly, but he agrees to it, goes and, and gets his people and tells the Pharaoh, let them go, and there were some plagues, and finally let them go. And they're out, And they're out, and they're traveling to the promised land, and another instance happens where they lose their faith in God. They don't honor his word and his command. They dishonor God. And with that dishonor produced disbelief, unbelief that they could get into the promised land. And because of that, they spent 40 years in the desert. So the people that came out of Egypt, out of the bondage of Egypt, think about it. They spent 40 years in the desert. The life expectancy of individuals at that time, it's debated, but let's just give a generous average about 60 years old. So think about it. Anybody 20 and up died in the wilderness and never got to the promised land. And anybody 20 and up probably had a child or a kid, was a father or a mother. And anybody 19 and less was going to get into the Promised Land. And they, were probably ha- or they probably had a father or mother who was alive. So think about it. And it's because of their unbelief. In Hebrews 3, it says this. See that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. The author of Hebrews is referencing this account of Moses leading the people out of Egypt and in the Promised Land. They get stuck in the desert for 40 years. They could not enter because of their unbelief. And maybe God's trying to remind us of, hey, if you are a generation of disbelief and unbelief, it it might be tied to the fact that you didn't honor me, that you didn't honor my word, you didn't honor my promise, and you didn't trust me enough to know that I would deliver you into the promised land. And then he's saying, the 1900 kids, like, get this right. This command exists for you because if you can learn to honor the first authoritative figure in your life, then when you get older, I can bless you into the promised land that I want to give you. The promises that I'm giving you and commanding you, I will give to you if you will just honor me. If you will just trust me. If you will surrender your life to me and follow me and start your relationship with me, I will bless you. I'll give you these promises uh, that God wants to give you. And then we find these promises in his word. And I think... I think there's going to be a hard time for people, you and I, everybody, to honor God if we can't honor our parents. Because our parents are the first authoritative figure. They're supposed to be a representation of our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. And if we can't can't do that, if we can't honor them as a human in the flesh, man, it's going to be really hard for us to honor God as a supreme being, the creator of the universe. So I think God is saying, get this right. Because if you don't get this right now, you might not get it right. And if you don't honor me, I can't bless you. I can't give you the life that I've designed and want for you if you don't surrender and honor me. See, people can't function under authority. If they can't function under authority, then how are they going to be able to function under God? Because God is the most important, single, most influential, authoritative figure in your life. And all of us are going to have to reckon with that one day. You might be an atheist, and agnostic, and you might not believe that. And you've already made your decision. You've already made your decision of what you're going to do with God as your Heavenly Father. You don't want Him there. We're all going to have to make that decision. So are you going to make that decision to let him be the authority over your life? That you will follow the Ten Commandments and the guardrails and the guidelines and the teachings of Jesus and what we see in the Bible, implement them in so that God can bless you and give you life to the full. We'll all have to make that decision. So where are you on that decision? And honoring God, I think, kind of boils down to this one point. It's trusting him enough to do what he says. And it's believing that he will come through on his promises that we see in his word. Are you going to trust him enough? Will you honor his position? Will you honor his person? Will you honor the relationship and the sacrifice that he had for you? And and be willing to give your life back to him. Let me show you another example. Uh, This one is about dishonor and how dishonor produced disbelief or unbelief. So Mark 6 says this, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Like, Jesus walks into his hometown with all his homeboys that he grew up with, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, What authority do you speak with? Like, what are you doing healing all these people? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Aren't you just that bum carpenter who had long hair and sandals and white robes and made us furniture? Like, and it keeps going on. It says, isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't, aren't his sisters here with us? Like, this is his family. These average, ordinary people that we grew up with and are still living with in this, in this town, that's his relatives. So who does he think he is? This pompous, arrogant guy coming in. And, G- and they were offended at him, it says. And they took offense at him because of what he was saying, the claims that he was making, that he was the Messiah, God's son. And the power that he was healing people with was the Holy Spirit, the power that God gave him to be able to do these mighty works. And Jesus said to them, he said, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town. Hear me out. A prophet can have honor where they should have honor. Anywhere, when they, wherever they go, except for in their hometown. And check this, among his relatives and in his own home." In his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. The people that knew him the best, that he grew up with in his town, in his own home with his relatives, did not accept him as the Messiah, did not believe him. They kind of probably mocked him and, and, and didn't accept him for who he was, didn't accept his authority. And because of that, they didn't honor his authority and honor who he was. They had disbelief, and because of their disbelief, he was unable to do miracles. Because the Bible's pretty clear, like, it: by faith you are healed. By faith these miracles can happen. So they had a lack of faith because they dishonored Jesus and the Messiah, who he was, so they couldn't have these miracles be done in their community. And and this is how it translates to us today. There's a statement called, or not called, but it goes like this. Familiarity breeds contempt. And familiarity means um, very familiar with, and, and the root word comes from familia, which actually is where we get the word familiar too. So your family are the people that you are the most familiar with. They've heard you fart. They've heard you burp. They've heard you cuss. They've heard you say things that you shouldn't say that you immediately regretted. They've seen you argue and fight. They've seen you have bad habits in the home that you would never do outside the home in public. They see your lifestyle behind the scenes in the home when it doesn't match what you're saying and proclaiming and portraying out there in the real world. Hypocrisy happens inside the own home because we get to see behind the scenes the dark side and what a person really is. And so when we have that familiarity with that person, it breeds contempt to where we we disregard them, we dishonor them, we don't respect them, we think they're fake, and we come up with all these things about grudges and, and resentment and bitterness towards those individuals, and this is what they're doing to Jesus. Bro, we know you. You're some carpenter. Why are you making these claims? Like, you're just like us. Who do you think that you are? And people don't honor the people that they should honor if they're in their own family. And I would say even more specifically, parents parents. Parents might be the hardest people to honor. The people that you live with and your siblings might be the hardest people to honor because you see them all the time. You grew up with them. You're so familiar with them. And maybe God is saying this, you know, the hardest people are the people in your home, your parents, your siblings. And if you can honor your parents, you can honor anyone. If you can get this right and do this and honor them, you can disagree. You cannot obey their commands. You know, if it's against God's will, but you're still going to honor them and their position in your life and their authority in your life. If you can do that, you can honor anybody, any form of authority as you grow up. And it'll go well with you because you'll have a healthy respect for authoritative figures in your life. There's another account I want to show you about honor and faith, and it's with the Roman centurion. So Jesus is doing his ministry. I'm just going to tell it to you. Uh, you can go look it up in the Bible if you want to read it verbatim, but here's what happens. Jesus is doing miracles. He's healing people. He's teaching. All these people are flocking to him. They're bringing, they're sick and they're needy and they're crippled and he's healing them. There's this buzz. There's this movement. There's this hype. So when Jesus shows up, people are pouring to him and he's met, when he comes into a town, he's met by a Roman centurion and a Roman centurion is just a Roman soldier. And he stops. Jesus says, Jesus, can you heal my servant? And Jesus says, take me to him. And the Roman centurion says, no, can you just do it from here? And it's kind of puzzling, but it makes sense. The Roman centurion understood authority better than probably anybody because he was a man of authority. He had men and soldiers underneath of him. If he snapped his fingers and said something, it would be done. And he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, I know that you can do this if you just speak it because I am a man of authority. And when I speak something, it happens. So I know you have authority. And if you speak it, it'll happen. So please do so. And Jesus did. He healed the man from a distance. Incredible. You know what Jesus said about this man's faith? He said, I haven't seen faith this big anywhere, not even in Israel. Israel is God's people. You would think they'd be close, tight-knit, and they'd have a big faith. No, their faith was minuscule compared to this Roman centurion. And you know why the Roman centurion had big faith? Because he honored God's authority. He honored Jesus' authority. He recognized his position, and he gave him the respect and the honor that he deserved. And that increased the Roman centurion's faith to where this miracle from a distance could happen. And I think one of the reasons that we are one of the most faithless generations to have ever lived, and I, I didn't live back then, I haven't lived that long, but this is just my perspective and kind of my understanding. The reason that we are the most faithless generation to ever exist is because we might be the most dishonoring generation to ever exist. We have lost the principle of honor our culture out of our culture out of our scope and out of our ideology and beliefs we don't we don't do it anymore and maybe that is why there's a correlation between we have no faith we are faithless because we are dishonoring so why would god put this in the top 10 why would he put this in the top 10 probably because he wants to instill in us at a young age the principle of honor because if you don't have it There will be pain and struggle and heartache for the rest of your life. Because let's face it, you're never going to get outside of authority. There's always going to be somebody in authority over you. And God's the sole person that is always going to be over authority in your life. But you're never going to escape authority. So embrace it and learn how to honor it and respect it when it's over your life. And I think America might be the most faithless generation and the most faithless you know, society that we're living in right now because we have a, a, a distrust and a dishonor mentality towards people in authority. And it's dividing our nation, and it's, and it's causing uh, a lot of uh, heartache right now in our world. And you can look at current events, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So if we can't honor authority in the flesh, how are we going to be able to honor God, the most important and authoritative figure in our life? And if you, have you ever met anybody who had a dishonoring mentality or just a dishonoring posture about themselves? A couple things happen. They become unemployable, like no one wants to hire them. They become self-employed or they end up in jail or, or the army, Right. I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of ironic that it happens that way. And entrepreneurship and self-employment is good, and, and the military is, is good as well. But, you know, that's just kind of the trend that happens. Like, either you can't be under any authority, or you're going to get under some strict authority in the military or in jail. And I think God just wants to, shake, uh, to show us and to teach us how important this value is. And this command doesn't exist to kill your joy, to rob your fun as a kid, and, and all of that, and manipulate what you can do and how you can scold and punish your kids. That's not what this command is for. This command is so you can have blessing and a full life. And that's my second point I want to focus on. Honor produces blessing. Honor produces blessing. Let me share this. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul is writing here, and he's, he's quoting the, the, the verse from Exodus and Deuteronomy, which is where the, the, the Ten Commandments are listed. And it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I want you to notice that honor your father and mother and obedience are different. They are not the same. Yes, acts of obedience are honoring towards your parents, but that's not what honoring is. We've already talked about honoring is, is the position that they have and the influence and the authority that they can have over your life. And if, and if there's a, a, an oppositional thing between their view and what they think is right and what you know is right by God, you've got to go with God, so you're going to be disobeying. And just because you disobey doesn't mean you dishonor. You just have a disagreement and you're going to go with your Heavenly Father and that's exactly what you should do. But they're different, but they're so important. So we need to be in compliance and obedient to our authoritative figures when it doesn't contradict God's Word, when it doesn't contradict His truth and what He's calling us to as a believer. And a very simple way to put it is like if your parents are paying the bills, you probably need to obey with their rules. And once you get out, now you honor them, you respect them, and you hold them in high regard, and you include them, and you seek them out, and you, uh, and you honor them and, and for your entire life. And I work with teenagers here at the church. I've been working with teenagers for a while. And it's amazing that I can see different kids and different families and how this dynamic of honor plays out to where one kid who gets it, who understands honor and honors his parents, has a lot of freedom, a lot of bandwidth to enjoy his adolescent years because the parents trust him and, and, the, and, the, and the teenager responds in a way with healthy respect and honor to not violate what the parents are put in place for them. And as, they content, as the teenager honors that family and that, those parents, the parents can open it up even more. But as soon as a distrust happens, a break of trust happens, or a dishonor happens, things kind of shrink up a little bit. And you can look at other families and say, well, man, there's a tight leash on this because there is dishonor. They're not honoring, and they're not respecting, and they're not being obedient and compliant. So there's a really tight, short leash. And this is, this is true in my life because the, well, the this, this is the first commandment with a promise. And I want to hang here for a minute. That it'll go well with you and that you will live long is the promise. It'll go well with you. Not that you will just live long, but it will go well with you. And I want to share from my, my personal uh, immediate family. Uh, grew up in the same home, same parents, same everything, same socioeconomic class, all that. Uh, same sinful parents that, you know, they were Jesus followers, but man, they made mistakes. We all do. We're, no one's perfect. So they had the same failures and mistakes and all that growing up. But one a sibling has a dishonor towards the parents. And then the rest of them have an honor towards the parents. And you can see the difference. The dishonoring sibling, does, it does not go well. And you look, at it, you look at their life and you go, man, that just doesn't seem like it could be as good as it possibly could be. And the rest of them doing pretty well. And I'm not even talking about Jesus following. I mean, I, I'm not sure where all, they, where all each one of those siblings fall in that mix, but I can see the correlation between blessing of your life and honoring your father and mother and walking in that posture and commitment to that it actually helps you in life. It makes your life better. And you can see, when there's a dishonoring individual, you can see that it's not going as well as it should. And we have to honor because we, if we don't honor young and we don't learn this principle now. We will live in dishonor towards authoritative figures in our life, and that's problematic. And here's what Romans 13 says about authority figures and how we honor them. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Remember that word, subject. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Every form of government and hierarchy and authority has been instituted by God. And people have been appointed and placed in there on God's uh, behalf. He's allowed it to happen. So we are subject to those governing authorities and those leaders and those rulers over our land and over our life. Now, every form of government is designed by God, but that doesn't mean that they execute it properly. There are some evil governments and there are some evil leaders. Because guess what? Every politician and every leader is sinful. They're a sinful, broken human being just like you and me trying to do their best. Or maybe not trying to. Maybe they're just that evil. I don't know. But they're sinful. They're fallen and they're broken. But God has instituted this, this format and we are subject to them. The word subject there comes from the, the root word in the military uh, use of to be obedient without question to a troop leader in a military regiment. Subject means to be obedient without question to a troop leader in a military regiment. And if you're in the military, you know this. When, when the CEO or the commanding officer makes a command, you do it without question because your life and your fellow uh, uh, members of your troops' lives are in danger and could be lost if you don't obey and just do what they say. Now that doesn't mean afterwards you can approach them with great humility and say, hey, I don't know if that was the best form of action. You can challenge that and you can disagree. But in the moment, you can't do that because your life and the lives of other people are at stake. We are to be subject to these governing authorities. We need to honor those authorities and those positions of authorities and what, what the governing authorities are, are, are laying out for you and I. We're supposed to. doesn't mean we have to agree. doesn't mean we have to like the individual. But we have to honor the system, and the individual that's in that, uh, in that uh, position. The word subject. I want to read Luke 2.52 real quick. It's kind of an iconic verse. You might know it. Um, it says this, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Let me just tell you what's happening before this. Jesus was down at the temple, hanging out, talking to the religious leaders, and his parents left him. So don't feel bad. If you're a parent and you left your kid, don't worry. Jesus got left too. No big deal. He'll turn out. She'll turn out just fine. Um, I can't guarantee that. But so they come back and they, they get Jesus and they say, hey, we got to go. And this is what he says in 51, the verse before, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth. He went with his parents and was subject to them. The same word that was used for the, for the governing authorities, subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus, the God of the universe, who came in human flesh, chose to be subject to human, sinful, not perfect parents. Parents that he created. Jesus created everything. And then he decided to come to this world and live under their authority and he was subject to them. So if Jesus was subject to his broken, sinful, fallen parents, you and I should probably be subject to ours and honor our father and our mother. He obeyed his parents and he, and he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with man. So do you want to grow in your wisdom and your stature in favor with God in that relationship and in favor with relationships with your peers and your fellow man? Jesus' life went well because he was obedient to the authoritative figures in his life. First, his parent, first God, his father, and then second, his earthly parents. And we have to do the same thing in that same order. Do you want a life that goes well? Implement honor. Let me show you one final thing as we wrap up. Proverbs 30 says this. It's going to talk about dishonoring father and mother, and it's going to finish with uh, dishonoring father and mother. In the middle, has got two verses that don't seem to fit, but I think they fit. I got an idea. And as I read this, I want you to just think about our current state of our country and our world and just see how relevant this is. It's kind of shocking because I'm, I'm assuming Proverbs, when it was written, was written about what he was seeing around him and the people around him. And it's so relevant to today as I read it. Just think about what's going on in today's world. There are those who curse their fathers. And do not bless their mothers. There are those who are pure in their own eyes. I can't do nothing wrong. can't do nothing wrong. And yet are not cleansed of their filth. They're sinful. And those whose eyes are ever so haughty, whose glances are so disdainful. Man, we have some disdainful, haughty looks at people. And And I'm speaking kind of specifically to racial profiling. Like we're, giving some, like we're giving some looks, we're giving some googly eyes at people that we probably need to not be doing. Those whose teeth are like swords and whose jaws are set with knives. What we say, man, what we type, what we tap with our thumbs and hit submit or hit send can be divisive and detrimental. Our words can hurt and pierce and cause so much division so true in today's world, to devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among mankind. Now, these are the two verses that kind of get uh, not sure if they fit. The leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. These are the th- there are three things that are never satisfied. Four that never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the land, which is never satisfied with water, and fire, which never says enough. And then it wraps it all up, talking about honoring father and mother. The eye that mocks a father, that scorns an aged mother... We pecked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. And when I read this, the one word that comes to mind is entitlement. These individuals that he's referencing seem to be entitled. And when I read these and think about modern day, I'm like, man, there's a sense of entitlement that's been so ingrained into our culture for generation and generation and generation, for a few generations now, and we're seeing it spoil over into all of these kind of characteristics of what was just listed here in Proverbs. And what's crazy is the leech that has two daughters, give, give. These entitlement people are, are like leeches sucking the life out of you and I and the rest of the world and the rest of our society and the rest of our cities and towns and cultures and countries in our world. And they will never get enough. Mine, 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 mine. And they will not stop until they have what they want. They can never get enough. It's pride. They think they're perfect and they have this pride. And, I'm, and, I, and I think they need to check their pride and get under the authority of God, get right with God and ask for him for forgiveness and, and, and accept the humility and say, God, I need to live under authority because I, I don't know how to do this on my own. Now, I could have gone through a ton of lists of honor one another, honor your, father, or honor your husband, honor your wife, honor your boss. I could have gone through all of that, but, G- uh, but God didn't. He put it in the Ten Commandments that we start with our father and our mother. Because you learn at a young age, it will go well with you. There's a promise that God's giving you that it will go well with you. In the land that He's given you, and you know what Hitler did to create the most evil nation that probably ever existed on the face of the planet in human history? He went after the kids. You know how he went after the kids? He turned the kids against their parents because he said, "Hey, if your parents don't agree with Nazism, turn them in." And the kids did it, and he, and he and he thwarted and he perverted the minds of the young people to allow Nazism to be implemented and create one of the most evil uh, nations that ever existed. He went after that next generation and taught them to violate the fifth commandment. Disregard your parents. Dishonor your parents. Dishonor their their ideology and their perspective and their their faith and, and their teaching and their guidelines for you. And here's what I want to say. I want to give all of us, as we close, an opportunity to repent. Are you entitled? Is there areas of your life that you are contributing to divisiveness? Is there things in your life where you're struggling with honoring authority in your life? And God, can you show me that and reveal that to me? And I want to repent of that and I want to follow you. And I would say if you had really crappy parents, abusive, they did the horrific to you, you need to forgive them. Not that you need to go reconcile with them. You might not agree with them or it's not safe for you to be around them, but you need to forgive them because they were broken and they were sinful and they made a mistake. And you got to let go of that and you got to forgive them. And maybe, here, here, here's one other thing. It's not just the, the abusive and the horrific and the, and the neglecting parental situations that are terrible. It happens in the church. And I call it hypocrisy because you say you're a Christian and you use the word of God to manipulate your children and how you raise them. And you live as a hypocrite because what you say in public and how you act in public does not match how you live in private. And your kids witness that and it does a lot to their psyche and understanding of Christianity and it kind of harms them. And it's some damage that has to be undone. And I'm proof of that. I love my parents and and they're amazing people. They made a few mistakes. And I'm learning as as I'm becoming a parent that, yeah, no parent's perfect. We're trying to figure this thing out. It's a lot harder than you would assume. And I got tons of grace and love and honor from my parents. But there were some things that I had to wrestle with about Jesus and about the church and about my relationship with God. So stop being a hypocrite. Search yourself and repent of that and honor authority in the proper way. So I want to give us a chance now to respond and pray for our land, pray for our country, pray for the divisiveness. And here's another thing I want to say as we close. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against spiritual principalities. We're, we're fighting against Satan and heaven, angels and demons. It's not of this flesh. It might look like this flesh because you're having that argument with your mom and dad. It might look like that flesh because we're having that argument between races and individuals. But this is bigger than flesh and blood. And so we have to invite the Holy Spirit in to help us navigate this. We need to to reconcile back to God. We need to invite Him in so that we can love and be together as one body, as one human race, as we were intended to be. And it starts with honoring our father and mother, honoring authority, and honoring one another. And just because we disagree doesn't mean we dishonor. So let's live in love, let's live in harmony, and let's pray. Let's repent of anything and how we contribute and ask God to, to shine some light in there so that we can move forward. In this world, I, let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you for this time. I thank you that um, you, you want us to honor one another. I thank you that, that you're calling us to live under authority. And Father, would you just help us? Would you examine each one of our hearts and each one of our minds of areas in which we've been dishonoring? and call it out and shine some light and bring some mending and bring some healing to it. I pray for our country. I pray for our land. I pray for our world. I pray for our leaders, our politicians and our leaders that God, you would work and you would show up and you would influence and you would guide and you would allow your son, Jesus Christ, to shine through by the power of your Holy Spirit. Your love would transcend and we could live in harmony with one another under authority of you, God, first and then live in honor with one another. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.